Welcome to Monsters Among Us. I am your guide, Derek Hayes. Coming to you nearly live from the Lake Arrowhead area of Southern California, I welcome you to our final, regular episode of Season 14. Now I have an amazing program set up for you this evening, so let's not waste any time in getting started. So to kick us off, we begin in the Northeast Florida area. Sheila, we're pleased to have you with us here this evening. Hi, my name is Sheila and my location is Florida. And I have several stories I'd like to share, but I'll start with this one. And this call is from Jacksonville, Florida. Anyway, I used to live in a suburb of Jacksonville called Mandarin. Way back then, I mean, it was, now it's very populated, stores everywhere. Back then, there was nothing but woods. We lived off a road, and uh, <laughs> it's a funny thing, that road was called Not a Road. Not a Road. Actually, that was the name. Anyway, it's in the summer. I think it was late summer, fall almost. And as I mentioned, we lived on five acres of land in uh, rural Mandarin at the time. Behind my land, I had a pond. We used to scuba dive in it, swim, have fun. And on the left-hand side of that pond, that pond was directly behind my property. I'd say about 200 feet away from my house. And then on the left of that was uh, sand dunes, white sand dunes. Nowhere else in Mandarin or the sand dunes. I don't know how they got there. But we used to go out there and you could find Indian, like pottery and just beads and things and pieces of pottery. Anyway, that's besides the point. I am laying in my bed next to my husband, sound asleep. I wake up and I think it was like a boom that woke me up. A, shake, a shaking of the ground, if I remember correctly. I sat straight up in bed, and when I did, I, I couldn't hear crickets or anything. I'm listening, and I hear uh, this low, like, had a kind of mechanical sound, but it wasn't really mechanical. I can't describe how it sounded, but it had this woo behind it, and it started slow. It started going. When I started hearing it, it went woo, 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 and it kept going up in intensity. And it's high. I'm in my woo, woo, woo. I'm like, what in the world is that? And you can hear like something grinding in there, but I can't explain it. I never heard nothing like it. And I'm thinking, is it an ambulance? Is it a train? What is it? This is nothing I've ever heard before. So I'm getting pretty freaked out. So I shake my then husband awake, 
he sat straight up and goes, what the is that? I'm like, yeah, I've been listening to it for a while. And about that time, I mean, it's in a fever pitch. It's like, woo, 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 woo. Or let me do the whole thing. It went like, woo, 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 And it just kept getting louder and louder. And uh, he woke up when it was like, woo, 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 woo. And then it just stopped. Total silence. The crickets and stuff started to chirping again. And there was no sound during the time this was going on. And it wasn't that loud. It was just strange. So I had to walk to my mailbox, a box a little hike. So next morning I get up and I walk to my mailbox. And I get there and my neighbor across the street is at her mailbox. We both look at each other at the same time and in unison we said, Did you hear what I heard last night? I mean, we were like in total shock. Of course, then we started talking about it, and we decided to go back to the sand dunes and the direction it sounded like it was coming from and see if anything was disturbed, you know, and we could find anything. We didn't find a thing. But I will never forget that. I do think I saw a, a UFO in Daytona one time over the ocean when we stayed in the ocean, but it was gone so quick. It was there and gone in a flash. So I can't really count that, but this one, it, it was very strange. And I'd just like to know if our listeners have anything in common with what happened to me, if they heard something like that. Anyway, that's my story. Thank you for your time, and I'll talk to you later. Thanks, Sheila. Okay, shall we begin here? I tried to find this not a road road that Sheila had mentioned, but I came up empty. So maybe they changed the street name. Either way, this is a neighborhood that I'm somewhat familiar with. My aunt and cousin live in the Mandarin area, or did last we spoke. But full disclosure, I've never been to that particular part of Jacksonville, so all my intel, I suppose, is hearsay. But that's not going to stop me from doing a little additional digging, and I did manage to find something that I thought was interesting. Other folks in the Mandarin area have also reported loud booming sounds, seemingly similar to those that awoke Sheila. And wouldn't you know, I found a local neighborhood forum chronicling some other loud booming events. Here's the original post that got the whole thread started. This was originally posted on 1-3-13. In Mandarin, I heard a loud boom on January 1st in the afternoon, and again last night at 3.14 a.m. Following the loud boom, the power in my entire neighborhood went out. Not long after, JEA showed up and began investigating. I spoke to GEA this morning, and they do not know what happened. They said the loud noise could have been caused by a transformer, and that some of the transformers are underground. As far as I know, it has happened again this morning. JEA is still investigating. So it sounds to me like those particular sounds may be related to electrical failures in the grid. Blown transformers, as the thread indicated. But there was no mention of a whirring sound. A sound that Sheila claimed followed. Now if I had to wager an educated guess here... I'd say that the sound was created by some sort of fan, propeller, or rotor. 
For example, a set of helicopter rotors firing up. And in case you're wondering, this is what that sounds like. Not an exact match by any means. And you know I should come clean. I had to go through half a dozen different helicopter sound effects before I found one that I thought sounded like what Sheila had reported. That's not a strong sign for that theory, I suppose. Not to mention the fact that the helicopter would have to be practically on top of Sheila's house in order to make the sounds that she claimed she heard. And I suppose it goes without saying that she should have been able to hear and recognize the chopper as it ascended from the area. Well, despite hours of research, I was not able to find any other complaints or reports or even mentions of sounds like that in the southern Jacksonville area. So I broadened my parameters. And lo and behold, a mere 200 miles away in the city of Tampa, I stumbled upon this mysterious noise really confusing a lot of people in the southern part of tampa they say they've been hearing this for weeks take a listen that deep bass sound is even rattling homes and windows day after day along a 20 mile stretch of the tampa bay coast neighbors have been reporting similar sounds and situations with no answers to explain what's creating it I can't say that it's an exact match, but I can say that it's certainly a similar sound. And it's a sound that's been plaguing residents in that area for some time. But, just last month, the mystery might have been solved. And, as it turns out, it could very well be a creature from another world. A water world. Well, this morning, we've got your answer, and it isn't what you'd think it'd be. As Fox 35's Haley Hines reports, the culprit is most likely a massive fish currently in its mating season. Yep, that's what they sound like. And enough of them together in the same general area can produce a lot of noise. Dr. James Lacasio is a marine scientist with Moat Marine Lab and Aquarium. He said from October through March, these big fish are busy courting and mating, and sound plays a big role. Black drum can produce a sound with their sonic muscle, hitting 165 decibels underwater at low frequency, loud enough to travel into homes. Locasio did his dissertation on this topic as a student at USF College of marine science. At the time, people in Cape Coral and Punta Gorda were dealing with a similar low booming sound. With the help of underwater acoustic recorders, he was able to confirm that black drum were indeed the culprits. The study found the sound picks up around dusk and continues for several hours. The fact that people from South Tampa to Seminole Heights to Apollo Beach have reported hearing it indicates that there could be a lot of black drum over a wide area in the bay. Black drum are right at home in bays and muddy canals, but they can also be found in the Gulf. Now both those clips were courtesy of WOFL, Fox 35 in Orlando. And yeah, I know, Jacksonville and Tampa are two different places, but the environments are similar. Delta areas where plenty of fresh water flows into the sea. 
Mandarin runs right along the St. John's River. And those areas affected by the sounds in Tampa are also located near other inlets, deltas, and rivers. So look into that a little bit, Sheila. Noisy fish. I bet no one had that on their bingo card. Thanks again, Sheila, for calling in. Now, if you have a story you would like to share here on the program, a true paranormal story, simply call our hotline at 1-888-608-NIGHT. That's 1-888-608-NIGHT. And if you're trying to submit from abroad, simply record the message on your phone and email it to me at monstersamonguspodcast at gmail.com. Now, next up, we venture to the state of Texas, where our anonymous caller is standing by with her entry. Hello, I'm from Texas. I'm calling in regards to an episode that I heard. I can't remember what episode it was, but it was about a lady who said that her and her grandmother, when she was younger, saw a lady with an owl head and that they were really scared. Well, in, uh, I believe she said she was from Texas as well. And in South Texas and also in parts of Mexico, there is a legend of the Lechusa, which is a witch. And she flies and she does look like this really huge owl. And she can curse anybody and hurt anybody. So, yeah, it sounds more like a Lechusa that her and her grandmother saw. I know growing up, I was told stories of the Lechusa. My grandmother, she dabbled in some type of witchcraft, Mexican witchcraft. And um, she said this one lady, she believed she was cursed. I think it was her friend or neighbor believed she was cursed and said that one time she was really, really sick. She had like boils or stuff all over her body. And this huge, huge owl would come and perch by the window on a tree and would cackle and laugh and laugh and tell her in Spanish to just, you know, scratch yourself, scratch, because the lady said that whatever was all over her body, the rash, was really, really itchy. And they believed that this witch, who was a lechuza, had cursed her and was mocking her through the window. So that was a story I was told. And when I was a teenager, I was about 16 maybe. So I was about 15, 16 years ago. I was outside with my mom. We're outside in our front yard and our neighbor that lived across the street, he came outside to smoke a cigarette and bum went off my mom. And he said, hey, did you guys see that big, big owl? And we said, no. And he said, yeah, that next door to him, this older lady lived and she was really, really sick. And he was outside and he said he saw this big, big owl also by a window on a tree laughing and cackling and laughing at the window that it was facing at the house. And he said, I don't know, uh, he believed it was a lechusa, but he said that he started to curse at it, you know, cuss and curse. And he said, you know, you're supposed to cuss and curse at them and it scares them off. So he, that's what he did, and he said that the big owl, the lechusa, got up and left and flew away. We didn't see anything, but he said he saw it. So 
I hope you can use this, and thank you. Thanks, caller. Of course, we all here knew about Lechuza from past episodes, but we certainly appreciate the refresher. And of course, we knew that the legend is from the southwestern portion of the United States, and obviously into Mexico and the rest of Central America. But in researching this call, I came to a little realization that surprised the hell out of me. I was attempting to find the original owl story that our caller was referring to. I was not able to confirm that story, by the way. I'm still looking. But I did notice that 100% of the strange owl calls that I've received have come from the following states. Utah, Arizona, Southern California, and Texas. Now maybe that's due to cultural influence. Or maybe that statistic shines some light on an obvious pattern. Either way, we thank you, caller, for the phone call. Now, speaking of Texas, this next entry brings us Texas-sized terror from the Lone Star State. Please welcome David to the show. Hey there. Uh, my name is David, and I'm from a pretty small South Texas town. And my story happened probably about 10 years ago now. My wife and I were asleep in bed. I really don't know the time, but it was late after midnight sometime, I'm sure. I was lying on my side. And just to explain the room a little bit, if I'm lying on my side about four feet in front of the bed, on the side of the bed is a wall. And if you follow that wall towards the foot of the bed, there is a corner with two windows. So anyways, I'm lying on my side in bed at night, and it's one of those times when you just wake up for no reason. So I woke up, and I started slowly looking around the room, and I looked to the corner where the windows are, and I see a little boy, probably 10 years old, somewhere around that range, and he was just standing there perfectly still. And at this time, my wife was actually a, uh, an elementary school teacher, and she would come home from time to time and tell me stories about the kids and how there are a few kids that seem troubled and, you know, they could possibly be dangerous. So at the time, I'm thinking one of her students has broken into our house and he's standing in the corner. So I'm lying there. I see the boy in the corner. I don't say anything. And he slowly walks from the corner right to the edge of the bed. And then he stand, he turns, puts his back to the wall, and just stands there facing me. And this kid is three feet away, four feet away, very close. So running through my mind, I'm thinking this kid broke into our house for some reason. He probably has a weapon. So I jump out of bed as fast as I can, and I go to grab the kid by the shoulders just because I'm actually afraid he's going to try to hurt us in some way. And as I reach and try to make contact with his shoulders, my hands literally go through this kid. And at that time, I freak out and I scream, waking up my wife, and I jump back in the bed. And uh, she wakes up and says, what, what? And I turn around and I look at her. And then I look back and the, the boy is still there. And I say, can you see this? 
and she reaches over, turns on the light, and once the light is on, the kid is, is gone. So uh, that was terrifying to begin with, but the boy was wearing red pajamas, like the old school pajamas where you have a long sleeve uh, button up shirt. And I don't know what the deal was, but I made the connection at the time. And I said, our children will never wear red pajamas. I don't know why that popped in my mind, but for some reason I made an association between that and my children. So, uh, yeah, that's, that's my story. My wife kind of makes jokes about it every now and then, but I think she might believe me. But I swear to this day, I thought that was an actual little boy. I did not think it was a ghost. There were no cold sensations in the room. I didn't feel dread or fright or other than, you know, a stranger being in the house. But yeah, it was it was a, kind of a terrifying experience and we never had anything strange happen in the house after that or before that. So yeah, that's that's all I got for you. Hopefully I will hear this on the air. Thanks a lot. Could you even imagine? I'll be honest, I don't think I would have grabbed the kid by the shoulders. I'd be full on tackling that little punk. I'd be leading with the helmet too. I don't even care about the flag. It's a football reference. But of course, I realized that I would have gone sailing right through this spectral intruder. Likely crashing into the wall through a window. Hurting myself in the process. But if you think about it, Which of these two is a scarier concept? A young intruder that has broken into your bedroom? Or a ghost of a boy that is watching you sleep? And would you be at all relieved when you realized whomever, whatever this thing is, is no longer there? Weapon or no weapon? Is that any less unsettling? Now it's a bit of a catch-22 if you ask me. And we applaud your bravery, David. I think most listeners would have just pulled the covers over their head and passed out in fear. So thank you again for regaling us with the tale. Now, folks, if you would, do me and your wallet both a favor. Visit our shop before the end of January to take advantage of our 15% off sale on everything in our merchandise shop. Just visit MonstersAmongUsPodcast.com and click on that shop tab between now and the 31st of January, 2023 to take advantage of this sale. Again, that's MonstersAmongUsPodcast.com and click the shop tab. We're making room for some new items and passing the savings on to you. Now, who here would like to hear a good UFO story? Lucky for you, Katie in Indiana is on the line with just such an entry. Hi, Derek. My name is Katie. I live in Indianapolis. So when I was little, I was raised Catholic. And at night, my bed was on one side of my room and my sister's bed was on the other side of the room. And my side of the room had a window. And my parents would say the rosary because my dad was like, surefire way to make kids go to sleep is to pray the rosary because they will get bored and fall asleep. And it worked really well. So one night I was just like staring out the window, bored out of my mind, trying to fall asleep. And I saw this like 
so anytime people talk about like triangle UFOs, I get so excited because I'm like, oh, it's got to be this. But it wasn't like what everybody else describes. It was like a pyramid, like white but metallic. I mean, it's not white, silver, I guess, but metallic. And like each tile on it, so it was like tiled like a pyramid, like an ancient Egypt pyramid. Each tile was like not outlined, but like glowy, sort of like like the silver was the base color, but there was like that sort of like gasoline effect of like different colors in it. I don't know how to really describe it, but I mean it was very distinct. If I ever saw it again, I would know. <laughs> but it like just floated by, and so we lived on about an acre of land, and there was like a line of trees at the back of it. So, I mean, like, a reasonable amount of space, but not enough for, like, something huge to fit between the house and that line of trees. And this thing, like, floated between them by our gazebo, like, just kept going. So it was, it was before 1997, because my mom was still alive. So I would say, honestly, like, 94, 95, somewhere, maybe even earlier. I'm trying to think about my other siblings, if they were alive yet. So, I, yeah, like early 90s, though. Pre-97, not in the 80s, for sure. And I remember talking to my parents about it and being like, yeah, I saw this, like, triangle. And I remember being weird about talking about it because I was like, I don't want to just sound like a crazy person or, like, that I was dreaming. I know I wasn't because I was, like, having a lot of trouble falling asleep that night. And I talked to them about it, and I remember my mom saying, like, maybe she saw the space shuttle. And I was like... I know what that looks like, and that is definitely not what I saw. So I just didn't bring it up again. And I reported it on a website, like, years ago, but I can't even remember what website it was. And I've just, I've never heard anybody describe anything like that, and I would be interested if anybody had. So that's all I got. So thank you. Love the show. Thanks, Katie. You know, my first thought here was that perhaps this was one of those drone swarms that I keep hearing about. You know, like something you would see over Universal Studios or the Olympics or something. Hundreds of drones in sequence creating images in the sky. But obviously, given that this took place pre-1997, I have serious doubts that's the case. But it is impossible to ignore that Katie is describing that classic Delta shape, albeit this time with a bit of illuminating flare. But if black triangles are your bag, you don't want to miss tonight's Beyond. Because there I'm doing a bit of a deep dive on the phenomena, specifically pertaining to the Midwest of the United States. So stay tuned to the very end of the show to learn more about how to access that bonus content. And until then, thanks again, Katie, for reporting what you saw. Now let's switch things up here just a bit. Lee from New Jersey. The mic is yours. Hi, this is Lee from New Jersey. And this is a strange experience ghost story apparition. What happened was I had an older sister and a younger sister. And the younger sister was 13 years separated from the older. So she sort of became her favorite and almost like her living doll. So fast forward to the future... And my older sister, Anne was her name, wound up passing away. So shortly after that, 
I was waking up one morning and I look down and I see this shepherd dog laying next to me. I saw it, I saw its fur, I saw it glistening. I was like, what is this dog? And I turned around and I saw my sister in a full-bodied apparition standing there. So the dog jumped over me and my sister and the dog went through the wall. Now, this was a dog I had heard about, but I think I was two years old when the dog died or whatever. It wasn't around. I just had heard about the dog a couple of times. The dog's name was Happy, which is an unusual name. So anyway, fast forward, my youngest sister has a child. So I would pick him up from daycare and he would just, you know, pour out his little heart to me, three years old. And he told me one night, he goes, you know, Auntie, I'm really, really sad. And I said, well, why is that? And he said, because I miss my dog. And I knew he never had a dog. So I was like, well, who is your dog? And he goes, my dog's name was Happy, which was my sister's dog. And he goes, but you know, Auntie, that was a long, long time ago. It just struck me as so bizarre. And I'm saying to myself, is this kid a reincarnation of my sister? Just like a strange element because that dog was never spoken about. And how he would sit there and say he missed his dog named Happy just struck me as odd, especially since he was the child of my sister's favorite sister, who was like her baby. So anyway, that's my strange story and it really happened and you know, it's beautiful in its own way and thank you for everything. I'm a subscriber. Hey, two for one. Thanks, Lee. Now I'm sure witnessing a ghost of a loved one can be dramatizing. Not to mention all the strange reincarnation stuff. And you know, that's a subject that's seldom discussed here on the program. But one that's quite popular among certain circles. And recently, stories like Lee's have been going viral. With all the death and loss we've collectively been experiencing lately, perhaps that's something to hang on to. But trust me when I say these stories of past lives are unsettling at best. But if you don't trust me, perhaps this story from WJW, Fox 8 out of Cleveland, will make you change your mind. Did my two-year-old just remember how he died in a former life? A startling question posted on TikTok about a toddler's peculiar comments. And all of a sudden, you know, he's asking about deserts and what sounds like sinking sand. Little Theo's favorite subject. To a desert. But Theo's never seen a desert and doesn't even like sand. I had to special order and ship rain boots to the ocean because he refuses to touch the sand. Actually dislikes most kids' stuff. Ever since he was a baby, he has been obsessed with maps. That's all he wants to play with is the maps. He's drawing maps all the time. He's got a world map that he spends hours looking at. Like a little old man, say Kelsey and Sam Pomeroy. He goes, you know, my other family. I'm like, No, I don't know what other family. He's like, yeah, my other mommy and my other daddy. I'm like, okay. First another family and then another life. It just comes out of of nowhere, right? He said, I was exploring in the desert and I had a map and I was looking for water, but then I sunk. I found the water and then I sunk and then I was a kid again. 
I thought he had meant that when he got to the water, he sank in the water, like he drowned, which he doesn't even know what drowning is. So I don't know. We were just very confused. He goes, no, when I sunk in the sand, I'm like, oh, I'm watching the shows that he's watching. I'm reading the books that he's reading. Nothing he's consuming is talking about this life to death cycle. That was the most interesting thing to us is that he's talking about things that we have no idea how he knows. Now go check out the show notes for the full clip. There's plenty more detail that I couldn't manage to fit in. And believe me, it's worth checking out. Now I certainly can tell you that your suspicions are correctly, but it sounds like crazier things have happened. So I'll apply the philosophy of anything is possible to this particular case. And thanks again for sharing the entry. Now let's get back into the action with this entry from Chloe in Tennessee. Hey Derek, this is Chloe. I'm calling from Nashville, Tennessee. This story takes place like the rest of my stories in Texas, which is where I'm from originally. I guess I was about seven or eight years old when this happened. And my younger brothers would have been, I guess I was eight and my younger brother was seven. And then our youngest baby brother was not quite two yet. He was an infant. So to set up this story, we had just moved to Houston, Texas. We were living in a house much bigger than we were used to. It had several extra rooms so many that we had a couple that just didn't have anything in them. It had been raining quite a lot that summer. Uh, Houston is given to having several days in a row of rain, monsoon-style rainstorms that go on and on and on for days, and this was one of those. And I believe it must have been June or July. And the reason I say that is I know it was the summertime because we were home with our mom, and Anyways, one of these days, we just gotten to the age where we were putting our own laundry away. We wouldn't wash and dry the clothes ourselves, but we would fold them and put them away. So we're going and folding and putting away our clothes one day, and we find this tiny little set of clothes. And it was like a little red button-down shirt and blue corduroy pants. And they were too big to be Barbie clothes, and they were too small to be clothes that belonged to our baby brother. And so I take them to mom and I go, mom, what are these? I don't know where these go. And she looks at me very seriously with a, you know, frightened look in her eye. And she was like, you stop messing with me and go put those with the rest of your toys. And we thought it was strange at the time. And honestly, you know, mom had a tendency to kind of trick us into behaving well. And so I thought she's going, oh, you know, she's put these in with our clothes so that we think Santa's elves are watching us. And you know, we'll be good because it's the middle of the summer and it's not near Christmas. So we're not thinking about being good. So that's what we thought was going on. Well, a couple days later, one of these monsoon rainstorms is hitting again and the power goes out. And so my brother and I are playing hide and seek upstairs in the dark. Now our upstairs was big and there was a long, I want to call it a hallway, but it was open to one side so that you could see down into the living room downstairs and then on one end was my room and his room which had a bathroom in between and on the other end was a den that our our playroom was in and a spare bedroom that didn't have anything in it and he and I didn't like to go in there because it scared us because there was attic access there and I think maybe thinking back 
mom had told us not to go in there so that we wouldn't go into the attic. But we didn't like that room. I remember that. And so we're playing up there in the dark. We're playing hide and seek. And I said, okay, it's my turn to count. And I'm counting. And then there's this this huge clap of thunder and it kind of shook us. And so we, we ran into the hall and, are you okay? Yeah, are you okay? And at that moment, there's this huge bolt of lightning that illuminates the whole upstairs bedroom. And just as this happens, it was cinematic. I have goosebumps just thinking about it again. We see the silhouette of a little figure of like a, a tiny little person, I guess, dart across the den floor and so I remember the silhouette of whatever this was was maybe a foot to a foot and a half tall and there was a little pointy hat on the top of it like like you would expect to see a garden mill oh I have just goosebumps thinking about it again it makes me so (sighs) so we saw it just run across the floor into that spare room and I remember screaming and pointing at it and you know, grabbing my brother's arm and turning to look at him and ask him, had he just seen that? And all of the color was gone from his face. And of course we run downstairs and tell mom and dad, we've seen something. We said, we saw something run across the floor in the upstairs playroom. And, you know, we're terrified, you know, we're beside ourselves and mom's, well, what was it? Was it a rat? You know, what did you see? No, it wasn't a rat. What was it? We, we told her it, we think it was a gnome. And, you know, she got very stern with us and was like, that's not funny. Stop messing with me. You know, you two go to bed and quit playing. And we, we were petrified. It was probably, it, you know, it was the summer. It wasn't late. It would have still been light outside if it weren't for the storm. We didn't want to go to bed. And we certainly didn't want to go back upstairs with whatever we'd just seen. But eventually she gets us settled and we go to bed, you know, everything like that. And years and years later, maybe it wasn't too many years, but I think we were probably in middle school by this point. I found out my mom is terrified of tiny doors. And we would always tease her about it. Mom, why are you scared of tiny doors? That's such a funny thing to be scared of. I think we were touring one of those old houses. And a lot of older Victorian homes, I guess, have when they were converted to have electricity and water. They have little access panels that are stylized to look like tiny doors, with complete with like a little doorknob and everything. And my mother just hates those. She can't stand them. We would point them out and she would, you know, she would get a shiver. And I, I remember going, Mom, it's so funny. Why do you hate tiny doors? I, I finally asked her that when I was a grown-up one day. And she said, it's not so much the tiny door itself. It's what I imagine might come out of it. And so after she told me that, I had to wonder if she had had some experience like that when she was a child with some goblin or gnome or I don't know. She won't talk about it. She's very tight-lipped about that kind of thing. Years and years pass, and we were at a party one night. You know, we were having a little bit of drink or whatever. It was a college party, and I, I leaned over. It was probably 2 or 3 in the morning, and everyone's telling ghost stories and whatnot. And I leaned over to my brother, and I think I was 20 three at the time and he was you know 22 or 21 whatever and I said do you remember when we saw that gnome and he went ghost white again and he said I do I thought I had imagined that I thought that I dreamed that I do remember seeing that and I haven't thought about it in years and oh my god I'd like to never think about it again and it was just so strange that we were together when we saw that and we both remember it 
And further than that, I did a little bit more research as I've gotten older and more interested in this topic. And I found out that in some folklore, the fae will sometimes leave their clothes around in order for you to trick you into picking them up and taking them. And then you're indebted to them and you owe them something. And another thing the fae will do is take children and swap them out for their own changelings. And, you know, my little brother was an infant at the time. So I have to wonder if what was going on maybe wasn't some sort of fey trickery that they were trying to, to put us up to. Now, I don't remember what happened to the clothes. I don't remember seeing them after the events of that summer. And I, I, I remember not wanting to have anything to do with them. But I, I think about that all the time. And just what a strange, strange occurrence it was. Anyways, I hope you can use this. I hope you enjoyed it. If you know anyone that's ever seen a gnome or some sort of strange faithful, uh, put me in touch with them because I've never met anyone that had the same experience as me. Anyways, uh, have a good night. Thanks, Derek. Bye. Thank you, Chloe. My very first thought, I want those clothes. I'd frame them in some sort of antique rustic frame. Something like that. Put them under glass somehow. That's a piece of paranormal memorabilia you'll never see again. At least, I don't think so. But that said, I have heard of other descriptions of little people wearing similar clothing, fashioned together with bits of string, leather, and cloth. But I'd never heard of the clothing trap that these alleged little rascals are said to set. I'd definitely fall for that one for sure, as I'd already mentioned. And I don't know, Chloe. It sounds like you might be onto something here with your mother. I'd have to agree that it sounds like she knows more than she's letting on to. And of course, she would not be the only one. We've explored a handful of these calls over the near seven years the show has existed. All relatively similar this one and we will continue to keep our ears open and I suggest like Chloe it's better keep your eyes open and don't pick up any strange clothing thanks again Chloe for sharing that awesome entry now folks real quick before we continue I will be dark next week in preparation for the season 14 finale your latest installment of the Hometown Legends series. Now these shows are typically huge, so it takes a little longer for me to put them together. So we appreciate your patience, and I can't wait to meet up with you guys in two weeks. But for now, we've reached the end of the line. And to wrap us up this evening, for the most part, please join me in welcoming Gil from California to the program. Hello, Derek. You can call me Gil from Central California. So this story happened probably about, I want to say maybe around 2012, 2013 in the springtime. It was probably around 7.30 or 8 o'clock. So on this night, my now ex-girlfriend and I were on our way to watch a movie at the drive-in. And this story took place at the drive-in. I guess I should kind of lay out. I'm not sure if most drive-ins are the same across America, but this one... I guess 
you could describe it as a baseball diamond where the screen is behind where the home plate would be and you know there's a concession stand in the middle and parking spaces all the way around well where we were parked watching the movie i guess it was where you know you could call it third base maybe a little bit behind that and probably i would say maybe 200 feet behind us and to the right was the exit so along the exit there are tall i want to say maybe 50 to 60 foot trees space not too far apart i'm assuming from keeping houses around the area from watching the show for free or whatever but as we were laying there we were laying in the in the bed of my truck it was a chevy silverado and you know we were just in the back of the truck with some blankets laying down cuddling watching the movie and whatnot uh when all of a sudden this yellow light caught my attention from the end of the exit lane so on the other side of the trees closest to the screen let's just say this was maybe during you know it was probably a wednesday thursday night so there weren't too many people and um, we were further back from the rest of the groups so all of a sudden this light kind of starts to move in our direction on the outside of the trees in the lane where the exit is and we were obviously inside of what you would call the baseball diamond i guess if you know the layout but as we're laying there i kind of just noticed to the right of the screen where there's this yellow really bright glow and we can see it slowly slowly moving towards us a lot slower than you know a, a normal walk you know your normal stride you're probably going you know not not very fast but it was a lot slower than that and i could tell it was high up because of where the light was on the trees it's probably i would say maybe 40 feet up and as it's moving towards us i kind of start to feel my girlfriend tense up a little bit or my ex-girlfriend now she starts to tense up a little bit and oh man sorry i'm getting a little uh spooked out here but <clears throat> so it starts to come towards us and the closer it gets there's more of a gap in between the trees and so you can see it more and more and more and once it gets close enough to where you can see it through the trees all you see is just a really bright glowing beam almost as if like someone is standing in the dark room with a flashlight pointed at you and you can only see the big beam and you can kind of see some somewhat of a figure behind it would be the legs and arms and whatnot but with this creature whatever it was it, the glow was coming from behind it what almost seemed like big wings big transparent wings that was just glowing really really bright and i want to say it was a small two to three foot humanoid being in the middle and even it was like at first you know trying to remember the story i always associate it with like a giant praying mantis or something like that because honestly we didn't even look at it directly we just were watching it in our peripherals and like we could both tell that we, we both noticed it and it didn't seem like it had noticed us but and I, and to be honest man i'm gonna have to give you a call back I'll call you back to finish the story. I'm sorry, I can't do it right now, man. This is Gil from Central California, just calling back to finish my story. I'm actually calling back because I honestly couldn't get through the retelling of my story because uh, it's really the first time I've ever actually said it out loud. And it wasn't until I started listening to your podcast that I kind of realized that, you know, what I saw was real and I kind of was, you know at that stage where I was kind of denying it and had been so long ago that I'd never really thought about it until, you know, recently. And there are a couple of stories with some similarities that it kind of just, uh, I guess, 
you know, shook my reality a little bit and made me realize that there are a lot of stuff out there that we don't know about and we don't know what's going on. And so anyway, uh, yeah, my, my girlfriend and I, we were just laying there, you know, with our eyesight in the direction of the screen, just looking straight forward. And as we see this glowing light, this humanoid being, glowing humanoid buoyant being, you know, floating past us, I kind of went to turn to my ex and I asked her, do you see that? And she didn't respond. All she did was put her finger up to her lips and say kind of mouth, kind of, you know, said shh, but didn't say anything and kind of just shook her head a little bit. So that freaked me out even more. That completely terrified me because I, at first it wasn't a scary feeling. It was more of a confusing, like what's going on? What am I seeing? Like, it's such an unnatural feeling. It's a feeling that I've never felt before or since. And just, you know, her being validated that I wasn't the only one seeing it, that this thing was real or whatever, you know, kind of just sent me into this panic mode, just, just freaking out. But we were just laying there and it felt like we couldn't react. We couldn't move. We couldn't do anything because if we drew its attention to us, then who knows? That's just what we felt. You know, we didn't know anything. We didn't know what it was. We just knew that we didn't want it looking over at us because it looked like it didn't even notice us. And I, we couldn't see a face. You couldn't see anything. The glowing was so bright that all you could see was the legs. And we just sat there, continued to watch the movie. And honestly, I do not remember if we ever even spoke about it. I don't think we ever, after that night, for sure, we never talked about it ever. I never talked about it ever to anybody ever again. But I don't even remember if we even brought it up or asked each other what that was on the way home or after seeing that because there was two showings and we were barely there you know during the first movie so we still had another whole movie to go through and i honestly don't remember anything past that moment whether we stayed there whether we talked about it if we watched the other movie what movies we were watching i honestly have no idea i guess it was what you would call a fight or flight type of feeling you know and it was this type of feeling where like if we got up or moved or did anything then we would have to make the choice of whether to fight or flight and so we just knew if we just stood there and didn't move or didn't do nothing then like as long as we were, you know, didn't react and we seemed like we were okay. But yeah, man, uh, I don't know what it was. I don't know what it could be. I was actually listening to your podcast, season eight, episode nine. And there was another gentleman talking about these small, you know, bird-like humanoid beings kind of floating around like balloons in a group. And he mentioned that what he was looking at was too small to be a, uh, a, a Garuda, I believe he called it. And I ended up looking it up and it's this small three to four foot humanoid being with wings, you know, some bird-like features. And so I don't know if that's what it was or if it was like, uh, you know, the floating goblins that I've been hearing a couple people talk about. And, you know, it wasn't just a light. It wasn't just an orb. It was a small humanoid being in front of the light. But the light was so bright, you couldn't see anything else around it or tell any other details. One of the reasons why I never talked about it is because in my head, the only way I could associate or explain it was a giant prey mantis or a Tinkerbell. And I know that's not what I saw, so... Anyway, thank you. Whoa. Thanks, Gil. Okay, now for starters, the Garuda is a Hindu demigod, king of the birds according to my research. The deity is typically described as having a man's body and a bird's head. So I could certainly see why Gil would support that comparison. But if I'm honest, this clip reminds me of something else completely. A pair of videos that came out of Peru a half a dozen years or so ago. Now, I'm not sure the video's official name 
but I've always referred to them as the Blue Gas Station Alien videos. Now, these clips were popular a few years ago. We even covered them on Paranormal Caught on Camera, back on Season 2, Episode 14, to be specific. And of course, I've also linked to both of the videos in tonight's show notes. But essentially, the first shows us a view from a gas station CCTV system and depicts a small, upright entity that leaves its hiding spot along a block wall and breaks for the road. In the process, it attracts the attention of a few men loitering outside of the filling station. Now, the second clip catches up to the bean as it makes its way past cars, trucks, and even semis as it seemingly floats across the highway. The indistinguishable shape seems to have a blue glow about it in the second portion, similar to what Gil described. Now again, these links are in the show notes. And for half a decade, I touted these videos as possible evidence. And it wasn't until doing research for this call that I learned the truth. Now trust me and go look at these videos before I spoil it for you. Because once I do... There's no going back. Okay, are you ready? It's simply a Bugs Bunny-shaped, Mylar-style balloon, floating upside down with just enough helium to allow it to hover inches above the ground. The quote-unquote body is Bugs' grinning mouth. The creature's legs are simply his ears. And the blue glow as a reflection from the gas station signage itself. So this one is officially debunked in my opinion. And all credit of this discovery goes to YouTube user Fred J. At least as far as I can tell. It's a bummer, but it's always satisfying to get to the bottom of some of these mysteries. And of course, this little anecdote does very little to solve Gil's sighting. And although similar to the blue gas station alien, I don't know that it can be explained away so easily. But you know that radiant glow that he described? It does remind me of another sighting. One that took place 60 years ago, in fact, down in Texas. Of course, I'm speaking of the Houston Batman. It was 2.30 a.m. June 18, 1953, here in the Houston Heights. Three neighbors claimed they saw something extraordinary just a few feet from here. Hours later, the unearthly encounter was front page news in the Houston Chronicle. Unearthly Batman terrifies watchers. Hilda Walker, a 23-year-old housewife, and two of her neighbors were sitting out on their front porch and suddenly Hilda noticed a large shadow moving across the lawn. Then the shadow seemed to bounce upward. And it was then that they could make out its form. I can hardly believe it, but I saw it. It appeared to be a very tall man or man-like figure standing about six and a half feet tall, but with bat-like wings attached to his back. All three said the Batman was framed in a strange glow of light also seemed to be encased in a halo of glowing light. All the stunned onlookers could do was watch. Now that clip courtesy of KTRT 
ABC News 13 out of Houston, and features monster hunter and friend of the show, Ken Gerhardt. Now, it's also worth noting that I first heard of this creature via Ken's book on winged weirdies. Encounters with flying humanoids, mothman, manbirds, gargoyles, and other winged beasts. A link to the Amazon listing is in the show notes. I highly recommend it. But anyway, there is that glow that Gil had mentioned. Although I'm sure the difference in sizes was an obvious standout. Gil's creature was described as two to three feet tall, while the Houston Batman was reported to be seven feet or more. So I don't know. Sometimes these cases simply can't be connected. But I don't know that the lack of other reports weakens the original sighting. In fact, in some of these cases, it might even strengthen it. I suppose it's all on how you see it. And Gil, I'm glad you got to see what you did. And I'm even more happy that you decided to take the time to share it with us. It was certainly a unique experience, and I'm hoping just the tip of the iceberg. Thanks again for calling in. And folks, that's going to do it for this week. Monsters Among Us is written and produced by me, Derek Hayes. Additional support is provided by Sarah Carter Hayes and Addie Lloyd. All media used in this production is done so under the protection of fair use. And if you have a moment, please take the time to rate and review us wherever possible. Five stars and a few kind words go a long way to help ensure the show continues to grow. And while you're on the internet, be sure to follow us on social media. And like us and give us a follow over on YouTube as well. And finally this evening, tonight's score was brought to you by Iron Cthulhu Apocalypse, Co.ag Music, and Carl Casey and White Bat Audio. Thank you so much for tuning in. Keep your eyes open out there and do what you can to keep it spooky. Have yourself a good night. Now, our secret entry tonight is yet another strange one. But aren't they all? With a story from Tennessee, here is Cody in California. Hey, Derek. This is Cody. I'm originally from Tennessee, but I live in California now. I've called in a few times. This one is about something that happened in Tennessee, though. I used to hunt with my dad, and we used to hunt with dogs, and we would hunt squirrel and raccoons. So we'd be in the woods all times of the day. Uh, raccoon, we'd be there at night all the way up to like 1 in the morning. And with dogs, 
you go anywhere from eight to ten miles out in the woods one way before you come back. So we cross a lot of terrain that are not a lot of people go through. And there's one night we was actually hunting around the swamp, hunting raccoons. It was probably eleven thirty to midnight. It was a full moon, and um, it was weird because it was just my dad and me. I was younger at the time. I was probably I don't know fourteen or something like that. But um. At one point, the swamp got quiet, and I looked around, and I saw all three of our dogs in a row following something. It went between my dad and me. I didn't get details of it, but the silhouette and everything, it looked and moved like a rabbit, but this rabbit was a little bit bigger than the dogs. I'd put it at probably 55 pounds. There's nothing like that out there in Tennessee. I mean, yeah, there's swamp rabbits, but they don't get that big. And our dogs aren't hounds. They don't open on track. But if there's something in front of them, they will bark because they get excited. There was no noise. It was almost like a silent conga line. It went between my dad and me, the three dogs right at his heels, in a line. As soon as they got out of sight, about five seconds later, that's when they started barking. It didn't give me bad or malicious vibes. It felt more weird, like it was a bizarro tale. It was something that I'm not sure if I was supposed to see because my dad didn't see it. He had his back turned. Even through, though it was in a swamp, it didn't make any splashing noises when they ran through it. It was almost like they were all walking on water and I don't understand. I don't know if it was some weird protector of the swamp or some kind of weird forest spirit that was just playing games because the dogs were fine. I have no idea what I saw. It didn't give me bad vibes. The dogs were fine with it. I mean, if not, they wouldn't have been chasing it as close as they were. It was almost like a game of tag. To this day, I'm still not sure because the only rabbits that get that big are Flemish giants or whatever, and they can't even move that fast. Like, I wouldn't have been able to keep up with them. I I don't know. Maybe you have better ideas. You have a good day. Bye. Rodents of unusual size? I don't think they exist. Thanks, Cody. Rodents of unusual size. Just like in The Princess Bride. That's what we're dealing with here, right? Some sort of oversized hopping mammal. You think logically. An injured stray dog. Possibly a beaver. Or maybe something exotic. A capybara, perhaps. The world's largest mammal. A pig with a rabbit's face. Kind of like a 100-pound guinea pig. They're found near water down in South America. But these little monsters have been introduced to the wilds of Florida where they're not only thriving, but they're also reproducing. And in June of 2017, one was even captured as far north as East Tennessee. So I'm not so sure that my little theory here is that wild. Hop online and take a look at the capybara, Cody. C-A-P-Y-B-A-R-A. Or just visit the show notes. But have a look and see if that's maybe what you ran into.
Otherwise, I'll open it up to the listeners. Anyone out there have any brilliant suggestions? one 888 n i g h t That's the number if you do. Big thanks for the entry, Cody. And I hope we kick up some information for you. But for now, that's going to close out the regular run-of-the-mill section of the broadcast. Anything past these lines, we consider the beyond. And you know I can help you get there. Just visit patreon.com forward slash monsters among us podcast or search for or search for monsters among us podcast at patreon.com. A $5 monthly pledge will not only give you access to this extended episode, but some 70 more hours of bonus content. Cancel or adjust your level at any time. Again, that's patreon.com forward slash monsters among us podcast. Now, for those of you already in the beyond, patiently awaiting tonight's content, I leave you waiting no more. Please welcome Jessica from the Pacific Northwest to the program. Hey, Derek. My name is Jessica. I'm living somewhere in the Pacific Northwest, and I was just listening to Season 11, Episode...